Welcome to the Teach Amazing Podcast. I'm Neil, and in this podcast we're going to introduce you to amazing schools from around the world. So if you're an educator looking for something more, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to another episode of the Teach Amazing Podcast. Today, we'll be meeting Peter Bird, who's the head of a really interesting school in Chennai, uh, India. Peter talked about a school with real passion and engagement, and uh, maybe it's the right school for you. It certainly has uh, a fair amount of pluses, including a high savings potential for teachers. So let's get started. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Peter Bird. I am originally from uh, Cambridge in the UK. I've been uh, an expat educational leader for nearly a decade. No, nearly 11 years, actually, 11 years. Um, I grew up in a South Cambridgeshire village, very, very small, very quiet rural town uh, that turned into commuter belt when I was a kid. So no one I knew ended up buying a house there. So we all moved. I moved a bit further than some. Um, my professional journey, well, I started off being fascinated by people. So I went into psychiatric nursing and I worked for the health service for 16 years as a psychiatric nurse, worked in forensic psychiatry, worked in rehab, worked in kids and adolescents, worked in learning discs, all kinds of areas. And then I burnt out emotionally, couldn't give any more to the job. And I'm someone who has to be passionate about what I do. So I went back to university. I studied environmental science. Then I started work as an ecology consultant. And I really love that work, really love the environment and um, science and nature. But again, it was a bit soul destroying because I was doing mitigation for beautiful landscapes and environments to be destroyed. So I went back to university and trained as a teacher. Right. So this is actually my third career and I'm planning a fourth as well. Um, Fantastic. I believe you have to be passionate about what you do. You can't just do a job. It has to mean something to you and it has to motivate you. And then you can inspire others if that if, if that's your story. Um, I have grown up children. I have two grown up daughters. I have a grandchild. I also have a, a second marriage and a stepson. Uh, family is very important to me. Um, I have a, a family mostly in Devon now. We've all moved to the southwest of England. Um, yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of my background. And I, I became an expat educational leader about. Um, 10 years ago, I spent seven years right. in the Middle East, and I've just spent four the last four years in Chennai in India. Fantastic. And what? give us a quick introduction to your school. My school, the best way to sum up my school is to say that it's education to fit the child, not making the child fit the education. Wonderful. Unlike most educational leaders, I hated school with a vengeance. I hated every minute of it, every day. I was late every day for the morning registration and afternoon registration because I just didn't want to be there. So I'm passionate about making education that the child is at the center of their educational journey. And my school does that. And we use the IB curriculum to help that because it's inquiry-based and concept-based, but it's about the child learning, not memorizing. Let's learn more about this Teach Amazing School. So describe your school's physical location and the facilities for us, will you? 
Well, my school is 17 kilometers south of Chennai city. It's in the suburbs. It's very near the coast. It's between two, two big roads called OMR and ECR, which run parallel down the whole of the coast of Tamanadu in South India. Um, it's on uh, an area which in the 70s was rice fields and has been reclaimed right. and 50,000 trees planted has now become uh, usable land. It's a purpose-built building. So it's a, a three-story building. Uh, the ground floor is all uh, uh, preschool. The first floor is middle years, a uh, primary years program, and some of it is middle years. And the third floor is all, all my specialist classrooms and facilities, like my black box theater room and art studios and music recording studios, etc. So it's a, a, a specifically designed school building, and it's we moved in three weeks ago. So wow. brand new. Uh, we were in a building we outgrew, which was mostly designed for preschool and early PYP. So yeah, so it's a, it's an exciting time in our history. Very Fantastic. Exciting. And how long has it taken you to, to develop and, and construct? I opened the school four years ago. Right. Okay. So, so it's, we've, a, it's we've a, an educational journey. We've had a bit of a hiatus for 18 months because of COVID. Sure. So we kind of, uh, had a bit of a dip in, in our figures because we are a mixed international school. So half our right. students are international, half are local. So obviously we lost many of our international students during COVID. But we're building yeah. back up now. Fantastic. And tell us about your school's mission. Well, like I say, I mean, if you read the, the vision and mission behind <laughs> me, it's, it's very much about... Um, Ensuring that every child meets their full potential, you know, right. that every child um, becomes a, a, a good member of the global community. Um, but this is what we're about. This is our five holistic elements. And if right. you see that, knowledge is the curriculum. That's only one fifth of what we say we're about as a school. We say we're the international village school because of the African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. Indeed. So. We're not just about a curriculum and passing exam. We're about the holistic development of every child in our care. So we have uh, the knowledge of the curriculum. Equally as important, the skills, how you use that knowledge, how it relates to you, how it's authentic. Then we have pursuit. Pursuit is pursuit of your own happiness, pursuit of your own challenge, pursuit of your own development. Then we have service and stewardship, which is becoming a productive member of your community, of the world, global citizen, positive impact on the world and then that all brings good character so all five of these things that's what our school is about it isn't about passing exam it's about preparing a child for life not Fantastic. just the, exam, the last day of school and how do you how do you strive to deliver on that wonderful mission how because yeah we put it this way when i ask my teachers to uh, do their self appraisal I ask them to appraise the self and the learned attributes of IB. How are you balanced? How are you principled? How are you caring? How are you a risk taker? How are you doing the things we're asking the children to be? And that's how I do their appraisals. So right. I, if, they're, if they're not, you know, walking the walk, then how are they expecting the children to develop and learn and be a risk taker and be a communicator and be balanced and be principled? So we instill that in everything we do. So I'm Fantastic. asking my teachers to be what they're asking the children to be. Right. And who owns the school and how is it governed? 
We are owned by um, a foundation called Babaji Foundation, which is a non-profit organization, educational okay. trust. And they are born out of a development company who bought this whole area in the 70s as rice fields and developed it into uh, real estate. So this is a massive right. area. I don't know if you know, but places like tonight, the, the most valuable asset is land. You know, it's it's a rapidly growing, developing city. Yeah, of course. We have the IT corridor from here to Bangalore. We have lots of, it's, it's a bit like the, de the Detroit of India. There's lots of car manufacturing, lots of motorbike right. manufacturing, and then lots of IT as well. So it's, it's a real hub of industry and like hard industry and tertiary industry here. Right, well. so okay. It's, it's, it's a real mix, and there's a lot of a lot of uh, nouveau riche. There's a lot of um, reverse brain drain Indians as well, because they're now getting commanding decent salaries here. And yes, indeed. So, okay, there's a lot going on in Chennai right now. It's it's rapidly growing and expanding, and international. And in, in terms of the school, um, mm. what does that not-for-profit status mean? Does it mean you're actually seeing the money that you bring in? Uh, uh, is that invested in the in the education of the kids? Well, we are. The foundation has a CBSE school and an IB school. The CBSE school right. started uh, five years before us and has grown to fourteen hundred and fifty strong. So the CBSE is a local curriculum uh, school. They are basically they funded our start and development. Understood. So Understood. We haven't we haven't reached capex yet. We did before COVID, and now we're, we're back to kind of building up to it. So sure. the non-profit organization has used its uh, money to develop an IV school as well. Okay, understood. Fantastic. And tell me about the you – know, I mean, you've already done an awful lot uh, in the last couple of years. What are your concrete plans going forwards? Um, my – I don't know what what did I put? Let me just check. I'm trying to think what I actually put. What are my concrete plans? That's all right. So basically, we established our PYP in 18 months. We got accredited from opening, which was fantastic. Right. It was we just started our candidacy for MYP. So okay. I'm hoping within a couple of years we get our MYP status as well. And then, so over the next two to three years, we'll do our MYP, and then we can move our own children up year by year into DP. So that's the concrete plans school. So, so how far up do you go currently? Up to grade eight. Up to grade eight. So you'll be growing then year on year um, uh, up into grade 12. Into the exam years, we want our own children to progress into them. So we won't right, be admitting into. people into 9 and 10, 11 and 12. Right, understood. Develop into those. Okay, right, great. Um, and, you know, you're an IB school. Do you offer then the MYP and the PYP? Yeah. Like I said, we're accredited for PYP. We've just started our candidacy for MYP. Right. So we've just, and what does just, that look like? How is that going? It's good. I mean, we only have a handful of students so far because we only just moved into our building with our MYP facilities. So Understood. We have like seven or eight students for the beginning opening. But Fantastic. Now we've moved and we're much more visible in our location and, you know, the buzz is around the town, the city that we have at MYP and we have the facilities for it. I can see a rapid expansion in our numbers this year. I can see us doubling what we started this year. Easily. That would be really exciting.
It's yeah. uh, a very exciting phase for the school. Uh, starting up these uh, programs always gives a huge amount of opportunities uh, to teachers, to colleagues, uh, to build uh, really positive cultures in, in the school. Um, yeah, indeed. Um, what about your staff to student ratio? Well, we have um, our class sizes are limited to 20 pupils. Okay. So in our in our PYP, in our like grades one to five, we have uh, one teacher and 20 students. Right. In our early years, we have um, four staff to 20 students. So okay. Teacher, teaching assistants, and then two custodials per class. And then um, in our MYP, again, it will be up to 20 students with one teacher. But at the moment, we only have a few MYP students. Of course. Of course. Cool. But that does, okay. Some, some schools do the, the, the staff to pupil ratio by adding in the nurse, the admin, the security. Indeed. I say, who's Indeed. in the classroom? <laughs> sure. I've got it. I've got it. Cool. And, you know, you mentioned that your student body is 50-50. How would you describe that school student body if you were to sort of, uh, have, you know, give some descriptors to it? We consider everything we do very carefully. So even the demographics of our class um, community is very carefully controlled. Um, like I say, we have 20 students per class. 10 can be local students and 10 can be international students. Of the international students, only three are allowed to be from the same country. Right. Okay. We want to ensure that there is diversity and integration in our classes. We don't right. want 10 students from one country and 10 local students and then native tongue being spoken in two different communities. Understood. Understood. Has, has that worked? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, the, the biggest expat community in Chennai is Korean. And all the Korean right. families we have are here because we have that policy. Right. Because they don't class full of 10 Koreans and 10 Indians and all the Koreans speak in their native tongue. So sure. it does work, most definitely. And tell us about the extracurricular activities or clubs that you offer at the school. We're very spoiled because our sister school has a 20-metre indoor climbing wall, so all our children can learn to rock climb. We have an equestrian centre just down the road, so they can all learn to horse ride. Wonderful. We're also affiliated with the Royal Madras Sailing Club, so all the children can sail. So you can rock climb, sail, and, and ride. So that's quite cool. And then on top of that, we do lots of sports clubs, football, cricket, basketball. We're actually, now this is, you're going to be a little bit probably jealous of this, but we actually have an aquaponics and organic farm as well connected to the school. Okay, fantastic. So Wonderful. All our children can uh, learn about sustainable farming, sustainable practices. Um, we have an outdoor, two outdoor classrooms there. So outdoor education is a big part of what we're uh, developing now. Now we've moved nearer to the aquaponics centre. Um, and on top of that, we do some eco clubs, we do some sustainability practice, we do some just pure gardening. We, we really do try and make a big connection with science and nature with the children, you know, and I, I run a gardening club myself and I'll start off, I'll walk in the classroom with a big tray of fruit, we'll sit it down, we'll chop it up and eat it, and then we take the seeds out and then we go plant them, you know? Fantastic. Uh, in fact, India was the first time we grew a pineapple from the top of a pineapple, and, mm -hmm. and it it took 18 months to get the first fruit, but it was amazing that you'd done it yourself. It's like, wow. Fantastic. Hey. Kind of new set, you know? You're so, obviously yeah, really passionate about your school. Uh, what are the, what yeah. are the 
three things if you were to just sort of try and crystallize it what are three things that you would pull out uh, that you most love about your school when we got our um accreditation for pyp the one thing we got highest commendation for was the caring culture of the school right and i was really proud of that because you can't buy that you can pay good salaries, you can recruit people that are experienced, you can have a nice facility, you can have great buildings and have great resources, but you can't buy a caring culture. That really comes from the attitude of the staff. That really comes from everyone being on the same page and everyone sharing the same vision. So that was the thing I was most proud of, that the school has that culture. And you know, we say we're, we're the village, we say it's a collaboration between the parents, the child and the teacher to raise a child. And that's what's really, really important to me is we have that sense of family and community here. And that was reflected in that commendation. So that's what's really important to me about the school is that is the family feel, is the personal, personal kind of approach to every child. The fact that, you know, we're only gonna ever go two form entry as, as the most. So every child only be one of 40 in their year. That's, right. that's, that's only just bigger than a, a UK class. <laughs> <laughs> What, what would you like to see improve in your school? What are the things that you think you need to address in the next couple of years? Um, I'd, I'd need to see the the NYP and the DP side develop. I need to see more um, more development on that side. I've started with my core team, and I'm going to develop that now. So I have. Um, Three, three music recording rooms and a recording studio. Right. And I have a part-time music teacher. So I want a full-time, at least full, two full-time music teachers. I want a full-time art teacher. I have a full-time full design teacher. But there's lots and lots of, of uh, specialties I want to bring in. And I want more international flavor in that as well. I mean, Chennai is an amazing place for its uh, music, dance, and, and uh, art culture. But I want more. I want to mix that with international as well. So there's an awful lot to do. There's an awful lot to develop. Find out about the teachers and the team. So tell me about your faculty. Um, tell me about uh, the people who you work with. Okay, I have about 25 uh, classroom teachers and teaching assistants. Um, most of my teaching assistants are interns as well because we firmly believe in developing our own staff so um on top of that i have about uh, 14 support staff security guards mm. and custodials and about four admin as well so okay. obviously that's going to develop that will probably be another um 10 teaching staff over the next couple of years as we increase our specialty subjects and our NYP, um, maybe a couple more admin. Um, and where yeah, do those so we, teachers come from? Where do they where do they where do they originate from? Originally, our plan was to have fifty percent local and fifty percent international hire. Obviously, COVID kind of curtailed that because I couldn't get visas for two sure. years. So now I kind of I'm probably 25 percent or. Or maybe 30, 30, 70, but we're moving back to a 50, 50 model. That's what we want. So okay. my teachers, um, what I'm looking for in my teachers is, 
for my local teachers as well, is international experience or qualification. Right. So if you're an Indian uh, educated and trained teacher and you've worked at a big city IB school, then I'll be interested. But when you join me, you still have to do an international master's of education or something right. similar. You know, it's, it has to be to that standard. And that's why sure. we accredited in 18 months, because everybody was that standard. You know yourself as an educational leader. If you start with a buy this high already, it's very easy to push it up. If it starts down here, it's very hard Absolutely. to get to the point you need to, you know? So <laughs> that's what we insist on. And obviously, the school's relatively new, and with COVID, it's difficult. But how long do teachers stay um, at the school? Well, you know yourself, for international hires, two to four years, generally. Right. You know, it's, it, there is an average of about three years for an international hire. Sure. You know, um, but I have international hires, like uh, two or three of my international hires have uh, married locals and settled. Right. Know, so they'll be around indefinitely. Which is great. Sure. Which it is. is. Great. It is. You need you need a hardcore of uh, middle leadership and uh, key people who are local, who you know are not going anywhere for stability and continuity. Right. I Indeed. love the fact you can bring in international hire. They can come with a new set of experiences, a new set of energies, and a new set of uh, ideas every two or three years. For me, that's fantastic. But at the same time, I need a core to keep continuity. You know, fantastic. And what do teachers most love about your school? If I were to ask them privately, what do you think they'd tell me? Hopefully, they'd say that they have a voice, that they are recognised. That the first thing I tell teachers is is the strength of my school is the experience, knowledge, and input of the teacher and team. That, like, I, I'm very much a, a, a collaborative style of leadership. You know, I. I basically say, okay, guys, this is what we need to do. What's your ideas? So I'm, I'm the kind of ship's captain who will just point, push the wheel occasionally. You know, Dude. I don't, I don't have a dictatorial leadership style. We, I form, I, I let, I ask them to form committees, work on policy reviews, work on different aspects of curriculum development, and then I just check in to see how it's going. You know, I'll Indeed. only. I'll only bring messages from the board of governors to say, okay, we have to do this. Sure. You know, that's, that's, that's my role as the, as the leader, but I prefer the leadership to come from with the team, within the team, and for them all to feel valued. So hopefully if you ask them, they say, it's a place where you have a voice, you feel valued, and uh, you're respected. And the other side of that coin, what would they tell me they don't like? Um... They definitely say things like they don't like the fact the school doesn't supply IT. Right. <laughs> the board feel that if you're a carpenter, you have your own chisel. That's the way right. they put it. So they don't provide personal IT. So okay. nobody right. likes that. Nobody likes the fact they have to come to a new job and buy something, you know? No, indeed. 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 So Good. That, that's a bugbear that I can't do anything about, but we just have the whole round every time. Every year it's like, oh, but why can't I use this? <laughs> I have no control over this. It's, it's not in my power to, to change that. It's direct from the board. So, yeah, nobody likes that. Learn what kind of teacher this school is looking for. Okay, so tell us what kind of uh, expatriate teachers you're actually looking for. 
primarily there's one thing I look for for every teacher, whether they're expert or local, and that's passion. They have right. to do their job because they're passionate about it, not just because they're getting a professional salary. If they're not passionate about education, if they don't want to make a real difference to a child's life, they don't work for me. It's as simple as that. So okay. after that passion, I want international experience, ideally three years. I'm an IB school, so three years experience internationally in an IB school is preferable. But that's really what I'm looking for. I want people right. who still have that passion, desire to make a change and to make a difference. Right. And what other personality traits do you do you value in the teacher beyond that? I like I like people that are team players. I like people that are honest and don't have agendas and don't play games. You know, I, I'm very straightforward and very honest with the with the whole community. So if I can't do anything, I, I'll be upfront and say there's nothing I can do about this. If I want something to change, I work my hardest to make it change. But I want people who who share that vision with me, who want to develop a, an outstanding school, want to make changes to people's lives, but just have that uh, honesty and passion is really what I'm looking for. Right. And, you know, when you're looking at a candidate, do they need to have IB experience or are you able to take people without? I can take people without. I have to be careful to have not too many people uh, new to IB at once because then that's uh, an extra strain on my coordinators to mentor them through IB as well. But I, I have done. I have taken people. If I have an exceptional candidate who who really um, impresses me with their passion and, and their experience and their knowledge, then, yeah, definitely. Definitely I will right. take them on. And you mentioned three years as a sort of rule of thumb for minimum experience ideally. level. Yeah, ideally. And is there a maximum age uh, limit uh, for your school? Um, not officially. Right. And unofficially? <laughs> I, I'd rather not say. <laughs> okay. No worries. No worries. Um, you know, and I guess the other part of this is uh, – you're looking for teachers, but often we're looking for other skills and, and things that people have done. Is there, is there any sort of skill set or, or uh, particular uh, experience offerings that are important to you? Well, I'm a firm believer in you bring, you bring different skills through different experiences in life. So, you know, if a math teacher's worked in finance, then he brings authentic learning with him. You know, if a science teacher's worked in the science industry, then they bring authentic learning with them. So I'm a firm believer um, not all of the best teachers went from school to college to university to teach. You know, I, yeah. I'm a firm believer in different pathways into education and different a world of different experiences and uh, knowledge that can be passed on from that. Learn more about this school's contract. So what's the length of the standard expatriate contract? We start with a two-year contract minimum, but that's uh, renewable by negotiation. Right. So how are extensions, how extensions handled? Basically every year or we ask for uh, continuity of service for all staff. So everyone, everyone 
uh, by the 1st of November is asked if they sent a letter to say, uh, do they wish to continue? And by the 15th, they have to reply. So right. if they wish, wish to continue, then we negotiate, uh, uh, we renegotiate the contract. Indeed. Okay. And is there a probationary period that, that uh, new teachers have to serve? Yeah, three months. Okay. And uh, how is that uh, structured? Uh, uh, are they then notified at the end of the three months? Uh, um, and is it a, a legal requirement or is it uh, uh, internal? It's internal. It's not a legal requirement. It's just to um, safeguard ourselves, really, in case there's any issues or any problems or you know, sometimes, as you know, you get people coming internationally and they just don't settle. They just don't, it just doesn't work for them. You know, and then when you say to them, like, I'm sorry, I don't think we continue. Sometimes people say, oh, thank God, I just want to go home. <laughs> so sure. having that settlement period is very useful. Okay. I had, I had, I had one guy who, um, after a few weeks, I had to let go. And he literally did say that to me. Thank you. I, I, I just need to go home. I, I can't cope sure. with, you know, this place. It's, that was in the Middle East. It wasn't here, but yeah. Right. But it okay. It, it does. Um, is there a, an external uh, authority that approves your, your appointment uh, well, in Chennai? In order to get an employment visa in India, you have to justify why you're bringing an educationist in the country. Right. So in order to, in order to, uh, to satisfy that criteria, you must have um, reasonable cause to bring an educationist in when there's many teachers here already. So, mm. is that, that is that a challenging process? Um, not usually, not usually. It, it occasionally can be. I, I have um, my PYP coordinator is a, a Fijian guy, but his name is Dasha Singh. So, of course, the immigration they were like. Why are you bringing an Indian teacher to teach in India? It's like he's not his fourth generation Fijian. But his name's Dasha Singh, he's Indian. It's like, no, he's definitely not Indian. So they were a bit right. funny about that. But then we just proved that he was fourth generation from Fiji. And they were like, oh, okay then. But they weren't happy. They weren't happy with the fact that it was like, you're bringing an Indian in to work. Well, we have plenty of Indians in India to do the job. It's like, but yeah, it's just that usual kind of red tape stuff, you know. And tell us about your working hours. How hard do the teachers work? Well, my wife says I'm a slave driver because I always always want them to do more because I kind of, I'm driven myself. But they actually don't compared to UK. They have so much PPA time. It's on average like, um, well, the preschool children, the preschool teachers will only work till 12.30, so 8 to 12.30. Um, my PYP teachers probably do 22 hours out of 35 a week, face-to-face. -face. Um, and my PYP are only doing about 12 out of 35. So okay. they kind of have a bit of a cushy number. But, yeah, compared to what we'd have back home, they really are um, sitting pretty compared to the thing that the teacher training we had to undergo, you know? Indeed. Indeed. Okay. And, um, you know, in the, in the worst case scenario where you have to let people go, let person go, uh, what are the, what are the sort of rules, uh, around, uh, contract, uh, termination? Well, 
in India, it's it's very easy to dismiss people like it was in the Middle East as well. But what we tend to do is, if we have grounds for, um, you know, a disciplinary procedure or a conduct procedure or a um, a need to improve kind of meeting, then we have a strict policy that I brought with me from the UK. So we try and follow that very clearly. But often um, in international circuits, if, if if things aren't working out, you know things aren't working out and people don't renew and move on. You know, it's, it's often easier to uh, agree to part ways than it is to go down a, an unpleasant route. Explore the package that this school offers. So tell us a bit about your package that you offer your expatriate teachers. It's it's pretty standard international package. You get um, you get your professional salary scales, which are all on Search Associates, so you can see for yourself what the scale salaries are. Uh, you get um, housing provided. You get a medical. You get flights. And if you're coming from uh, UK, EU, USA, um, you get two years tax exemption as well under a tax right. treaty with India. So there is the only deductions you get is 12.5% uh, pension, which the school matches. So the first thing you're talking about savings is you basically get 25% of your annual income as a saving regardless of you doing anything. Indeed. Okay. So and so deductions, uh, if you come from those countries, you're looking at uh, the 12.5%. No, no tax. Taxes waived. Pension, pension uh, saving, which your, your which the school will match. And that's paid out to you then at the end of the uh, When you leave the, the you contract. Yeah. Right. So you basically okay. every year you'll save 50% of your, um, sorry, 25% of your salary before you even save anything. Okay, understood. And and you mentioned health insurance. Is that local comprehensive or is that international? How does that work? It's international, but it's um, it's it's pays for everything if you're admitted to hospital. It doesn't pay for uh, outpatients and day-to-day um, -day stuff. If you're right. admitted for, for, for an accident or anything serious, then the follow-up care is included. But it isn't... Okay. It's what I would call a fully comprehensive. It's more uh, uh, emergency medical cover. But in, in India, you have uh, full coverage, is that right? Yeah, yeah. But it's okay. actually, India is one of the cheapest places to, to be ill. It's ridiculously cheap. It, it costs you five euros to see a consultant, literally five euros to see a consultant, which is just crazy. Indeed, you know, indeed. And, and, and accommodation, could you, could you give me a little bit of a, a picture of what accommodation uh, teachers could expect? A lot of our teachers, international teachers, live in the, yeah, I was going to say compound, which you understand from living in the Middle East, but from people in UK, it sounds like Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> <laughs> so you have like uh, apartment blocks with shared swimming pools and gyms and function rooms. Uh, there's one two minutes walk from the school where most of our teachers live. And they are three bedroom apartments, all with ensuite facilities, very nice, you know, very good standard. Um, and, and you cover the, 
And you cover the rent there? Do you cover the uh, utilities? How does that work? Yeah, rent and utilities. Uh, we give a utilities uh, allowance. Right. So we cover the rent and, and we give a utilities allowance. And how generous is that? Does it cover the, the cost generally? Pretty much. Balances out over the year because, like, in the months to months, you hardly use any AC and in the in the middle of the the hotter months you will use it all the time so the payments balances out over the year okay and, and, and flights sorry no exactly yeah. and flights uh, how does that work with you they get an annual flight to the to the desert to the place they designated in the contract as their their home address right okay and is that a flight or is that a cash payment in lieu as well it could be either. It could okay. be either. If they want, if they want to book their own flights, then they can claim um, a, an agreed cash amount. Okay, fantastic, fantastic, um, great. Um, so let's drill into savings potential. You already mentioned twenty five percent, which isn't bad. Um, uh, you know, a typical single teacher. Um, what sort of percentage of their salary uh, over and above that would you expect them to be saving? You can save as much as you want in India. India is so cheap to live. I mean, seriously, if you like local food, you buy that for peanuts. And if, and if you're not a big drinker or not fussy about uh, alcohol, if you just drink local beer and local food, you will, sure. you will live for, you know, literally a few pounds a week. You know, it's, it's right. crazy. You could save easily fifty percent of what you earn without without even trying. If you if you're on a mission to buy a house back home and you want to save seventy percent of your income, you can do so. You really can. Right. If you if that's your objective in India, it's so easy to do because the cost of living is so low. If you want to eat steak dinners and Heinz baked beans, then you're not going to do that. You know. Indeed. But if you if you want to. Um, if you want to indulge yourself in the local uh, food and cuisine and, and uh, go to places the locals go, you will live for peanuts. You really will. It's, it's right, crazy. So, so teaching couples are probably, uh, uh, you know, in an optimal location then with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. But teaching couples for us, their, their children would be with us for free. So they would have their, their accommodation is paid for, their utilities are paid for, um, you know, they can they can entertain themselves for next to nothing. I mean, if you came, I would say you could save 70, 75% of your salary without trying. If, if you really get were on a mission to put money in the bank and, and uh, invest back home easily, easily. Fantastic. And and the, the free um, education for the kids, is there a, a maximum there? Is it for two kids or three? Um. We do two free placements and then 50% after that. Right. Okay. Good. Okay. Um, are all the um, teachers on the same pain scale or how does that work? No, it's, it's, uh, we do have uh, a, an international and a local pay scale. So right. we do have two very distinctive pay scales. Um, there's two reasons for that. Uh, one is that we have to pay a minimum salary for a work visa for an expat. Right. So the starting point is different for the international hires. And the other okay. is that we're an international school, so uh, international qualifications are our preferred standard. 
Right, indeed. So okay. If if our local teachers get an international um, masters, then they will go up the pay scale. Okay, understood. Understood. Um, and you mentioned uh, professional growth uh, opportunities uh, at the school. Are they funded mm. by the school, or are they are the teachers expected to uh, fund those uh, uh, opportunities? Pre-COVID, pre everybody had a uh, a CPD budget for the year. I I gave that up rather than cutting salaries during COVID. So hopefully next year, once we break capex and start uh, being sustainable on our own feet. I'll bring that back in. So right. we were doing $1,000 a year for professional development per teacher, but that's on hold because of COVID. But I hope okay. to bring that back next year. Fantastic. Um, how many days a year are the teachers required to work? 190. 190. And that's including, is that contact days or is that including the uh, orientation? Including orientation. Okay, fantastic. Um, and... Are teachers expected to offer after-school activities uh, as part of the agreement? It's in their contract that they, we do. Uh, everyone does after-school activities because we, we do that as part of our pursuits program. So it's a, it's a, a, a an integral part of the, the school day because we try and encourage everyone to do pursuits. Right, indeed. And are there any sort of I don't know legal or cultural restrictions uh, that teachers should know about when coming to Chennai? Um, I guess it's well, it's 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 a, a Hindu country, so um, it's primarily vegetarian, bordering on actual vegan. So culturally, that a lot of places that will uh, only go to cater for a vegetarian diet. So that's kind of a cultural difference that some people may find um, different, or some people may prefer it. Some people may be really looking for that and thankful that they can go somewhere where they don't have to worry about it. Um, but yeah, that's that's the only real kind of difference. It's not as restrictive as the Middle East, for example. You know, it's you know people can come and go as they please. They're not expected to act differently because they're men and women. Um, but yeah, it's I would say it's for, for where we are. It's just a very conservative area, so people are, people would be expected to be a bit more conservative in their dress. You know, not as uh, outlandish in their behavior and, and kind of uh, weekend activities, you know, right. just a, a, a decent, a reasonable sense of respect is all you need, really. Learn more about the recruiting schedule and onboarding process. So when do you usually start searching for your teachers? Well, I mentioned earlier that we do a, a continuation form that we give out on the 1st of November and then we get re replies by the 15th. So following that, we start a recruitment process. So December, we start uh, interviewing and going through Search Associate and other um, avenues such as uh, those agencies and direct right. um, advertising as well, LinkedIn, um, Google advertising, you know, various different approaches. But we hope to, we like to kind of wrap up our uh, new appointments by the end of January. Fantastic. Okay. So you're pretty early there. And how did you then uh, move into your um, onboarding process? What does that look like from, from you know, the contract signing through to, to maybe orientation? 
Well, because we like to recruit early, we like to be kind of proactive in our recruitment. We, um, do you mean after interviewing or, or the interviewing process? No, after interviewing, maybe, uh, 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 so you've decided you've, you've, um, you've selected the person, maybe you've come to an agreement. Um, uh, where do you go from there? So what I like to do is put the, uh, the new appointees in touch with their coordinators so they can start touching bases. Um, they can also, if they're, if I'm taking on a, another, someone from the UK or someone from USA, then I'd maybe ask someone from my team from their country to buddy up and sort of give them advice and do's and don'ts of coming here. So I kind of, even though I kind of recruit early, I then start the process of, of actually introducing them and getting them familiar to the team and and uh, and what's involved in moving here. So right. I like to kind of get them on board with, with us and kind of feeling that they, they're part of the team way before they come. And then nearer the time, um, depending on how proactive they are, if they're very proactive, I sort out their... Uh, school email account and give them access to the drive and they can start uh, looking at what their resources they'll be using, getting onto Toddle, um, you know, collaborating with other people before they come. I'm very keen to kind of get that going because because we do recruit early, it's, it's necessary to ensure that people are engaged with us over that period because it's a long time Indeed. people can sometimes change their mind or, you know, Maybe they get an offer somewhere else. So sure. I'm very keen to kind of make the connection and get the, the relationship going as early as possible. And, okay. And when they arrive, um, have you sorted housing? Have you? How does that work? Yeah. Uh, the arrival process. We um, sort out housing to start um, late July, so they can come as soon as the contract on the house starts. Um, you know. We, we like to people be here a week or two before just so they can settle in and get over jet lag. Uh, and then we usually start early August. So right. um, I'll often, if people aren't coming at ridiculously silly hours, I'll often go and pick them up at the airport in my car sure. and meet and greet them, particularly if they're first time international hires, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, I do. Uh, take them back to their apartment get them uh, situated and then, uh, you know, we'll usually put some food in the apartment, just some local uh, numbers, get them a SIM card, all that kind of stuff. So that as soon as they're there, they've got access to the internet, they can contact fan, family and friends. And, you know, we'll start the induction together. Everyone does a week's induction. Um, usually the new arrivals have two or three days before the full right. week induction. So it'll be a 10 day induction process. And on top of that, we also will take them around city tours, local places they need to know. Uh, so they'll do an orientation as well as the induction. Find out how to get a job at this Teach Amazing School. Okay, so Billy, you've convinced me. I want to come, I want a job. How can I get one? What's the best way? Give me the tips and tricks, the ways into your heart, the way to get a contract. Well, the best thing to do is apply directly on a website because that saves us a lot of money through agency fees. So that's obviously that's a first bonus for us. Second, be passionate and, and have fun because 
if you're enjoying what you're doing, your pupils are going to enjoy having you in their class. And if I see that from you, if I'm interested, if, if I'm entertained, if, if, I, if I enjoy speaking to you, then I'm, that's the first thing that I think, great, they're going to come on board, they're going to be positive, they're going to be upbeat, the children will enjoy them in their class, they're going to be a, a, a good member of the team. So that's what I need people to do. Be themselves, be positive, be open, be upfront and, and have fun. It's supposed right. to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable. So you're not uh, a man that's wanting to see uh, reams of uh, documentation then? It's just bits of paper, you know? I, I said earlier that I became an educationist because I hated education. I hated school. I hated school because I was chronically dyslexic. I knew I wasn't stupid, but I couldn't prove it on paper. I could talk anybody under the table. I could debate any concept. I could show knowledge and understanding, but I couldn't prove it on paper. So those bits of paper were my nemesis for decades until I got my degree and, and graduated and trained as a teacher. But now I have them. I don't care about them at all. <laughs> what I care about is people's attitude and people's uh, what they bring to the table, you know? And who can I contact if I'm if I've got questions about the school or a job? Who's the best person to get in touch with? Well, you can contact me directly. You can, you can um, on the website. There's careers link, so you can you can email to careers. I will get that as well. Everything that comes into careers, I see too. So, just go via our website is the best the best way to do it. So what other schools would you recommend? So let's imagine that you haven't got a job for me. Um, where else could I look? Where could you recommend to me as a teacher uh, a school that shares the spirit and the energy that your school has? Before I opened doors at, um, at, this, at the International Village School, I was sent to look at a few schools around. And I went to Singapore and viewed several schools. Um, bearing in mind that our preschool was influenced by uh, Reggio Emilio philosophy. I went to Singapore and I went to a place called Orchard House, which was really, really influenced by Reggio Emilio. It even had a teacher from Italy just wandering into classrooms and, and spontaneously following uh, the curiosity of, a child, of the children in the class and doing an activity or a project or an inquiry from that. And I was blown away by how pure that was, you know, how pure Reggio that was and how amazing that was as a preschool. So that really, really impressed me. And that was Orchard House in Singapore. Wonderful. Another school that I visited in there was United World Colleges of Southeast Asia in Singapore as well. And that was very, very high standard and very, very sure. pure and very, <laughs> very well done and really focused on the child at the centre of what they do. So both of those schools really impressed me. And, you know, if I wasn't setting this school up, they're the kind of projects I'd like to be involved in. So I think that wraps it up, uh, Peter. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's been great to meet you and uh, to find out more about your school. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this visit to this Teach Amazing School. Subscribe to the Teach Amazing podcast and join us on our journey exploring amazing schools around the world.